0: Hello everyone, this is Emil Kalinowski, and this is a live reaction show with Jeff Snyder. On the YouTube, what they sometimes do, and it seems pretty popular, is the channel owner will play a magic show or some event, and then they'll react to it live, and people love it. And that's what this is. I'm reading the magazine articles, the newspaper columns, and I think to myself, well, this is very interesting. What would Jeff Snyder say to this if I read this out to him? Would he snort milk through his nose? Would he spit out his coffee? Would he just simply nod and continue smoking his cigar or whatever he might be doing? I don't know. So I call him up. I pick up the YouTube phone. I dial him up, and I read this out to him. Different, not the whole article, but pieces of it. And that's what this episode is. I hope you enjoy it, this extra dose of making sense. But first, this from Eurodollar Enterprises. Friends, do you direct the treasury ministry? Do your political masters expect foaming asset prices? Are you unsure how to produce lasting froth? Then a box of bath suds from Eurodollar Enterprises is for you. Yes, practice blowing bubbles in the gurgling luxury of your freestanding clothwood tub. Find the perfect mix between liquidity and hot air with our Capital Markets foam formulation. Our bubble brew line comes in currencies, commodities, cryptos, and collectibles. Blow them all! Orders received today will come with a fussy central banker typically retailing for the price of hedge fund general partner absolutely free. Simulate the political arena, trying to blow it in the presence of an erratic technocrat. Don't blow it, not without bath suds. New no. from Euro Dollar Enterprises. Central banker swimsuit not included. I'm going to read a piece to you by Martin Wolf, posted on March 2nd in the Financial Times. Of course, it's a little bit like what we talked about last week uh, when it comes to inflation and what should be included in, infl- in inflation. This time inflation but not necessarily that exact uh, theme topic. okay here let me start. What should central banks target since the early 1990s the answer has increasingly been consumer price inflation but this has never been unchallenged. Today there are four alternative positions. number one one thinks central banks should target asset prices. Number two, another thinks they should target a just interest rate, as in social justice. Number three, yet another thinks they should target real activity. The fourth, the last thinks they should target some other nominal goals, such as the price level or nominal gross product. These are important debates, but the reality remains. Central banking is an art, not a science. The art must be guided by sensible goals coupled to deep awareness of uncertainty. Well, that last part, that's the part that doesn't work, right? They don't know that, that it's an art or
1: that yeah, there's I uncertainty. Think, well, I don't know if I think they do. And I think that part of it is part of the, is is trying to game the public and fool the public into believing the opposite mm-hmm. because there is a lot of art to this, but yet what the, the, what they project to the public is that, no, this is rules based. This is, this is not subjective. It's objective. We're targeting something, which means we're, we're bound and determined to do something given a set of inputs. And it's, you know, we hear about the Taylor rule. You hear about all of these kinds of things that make it sound like that they're just dispassionate, uh, technocrats sitting back, reacting to things and, and have everything under control. I mean, quantitative easing. There's another one. It sounds like this is all just a bunch of numbers stuck in a computer that spits out the right answer time and time again. And that's what they want you to believe, that this is scientifically determined to, be the, to lead to, directly to the most optimal outcomes. I guess they
0: fooled me because I assume that they also believe in the certainty. I was thinking of that Bernanke interview on 60 Minutes. Do you remember? Uh, he was asked... What what are the chances of inflation? What do you think this is gonna get away from you? And you remember what he said? He said, none, zero, no chance. Do you remember that quote? I know I'm not saying it precisely, but it was just a certainty. What's two plus two? Four, are you sure? 100%, no chance, of course. Yeah, when
1: you put it into mathematics and targets, and numerical targets and things like that, for the for the general public, they think that's what it is. It's it's a bunch of formulas, and it works just as easy as as writing
0: them down on a chalkboard and, and coming up with the right answers. So now, Mister Wolf continues. Since the early nineteen nineties, the dominant view among central banks and economists is that the best target is inflation. The approach was pioneered in New Zealand in 1990 and quickly followed by Canada and the UK. The U.S. Federal Reserve followed it in 2012. I don't think so, right, Jeff? That's not right. I mean, I, I think that's when they admitted or publicly yeah. stated this is what we're doing.
1: That's when the inflation target was explicit, but it had already been, it had been implicit really since Canada adopted the inflation target. Everybody kind of figured that's what the Fed was the Fed was going to be guided by two percent inflation target. And if you read the FOMC transcripts from the from the '90s on into the 2000s, it, it's it was pretty much well understood that that's what they were doing. They just had never made it explicit before uh, Bernanke did in January 2012. So yeah, they had decided that this inflation target it must work well because look. Great moderation, things seem low inflation, rapid growth, globalization, trade—all these positive benefits. We're going to take credit for it. It must be the inflation target, right? It had to have been monetary policy that got everything right. It couldn't possibly be anything else, like random good luck or anything. It had to have been, it had to have been Alan Greenspan and his maestro briefcase that got so much attention on CNBC in the dot-com era, because everything was so moderate and wonderful. And so, you know, the idea of inflation targeting being tested is. Really, it hasn't. the idea itself hasn't ever really been tested in, in any legitimate way except for the last you know, 13 years where it has always come up short. And the idea of inflation targeting itself, though, if you really break it down into its components, what are they really saying? How are they targeting inflation? What they're saying is if inflation starts to go above 2%, we're going to put the brakes on the economy we're going to raise an interest rate to to reduce economic growth until inflation comes back down to our target but is that really how it worked was it alan greenspan raising and lowering the, the federal funds rate or the ecb was it the ecb when it showed up in 99 was it was it moving the corridor up and down were were these short term interest rate movements and interest rate policies really responsible for supporting the economy or putting the brakes on the economy and therefore leading to a benign inflation environment. Is that really how it worked back then?
0: Jeff, I have a question. So the inflation targeting was later, but before that in the 1980s, what was it that the Fed was doing? It wasn't that sort of inflation targeting as well, because they were, then they had switched to an interest rate policy. And I believe the Bank of England had did it, done it in 1971. So is it uh, six of one and half a dozen of of another, or are these distinct policies?
1: Well, you're talking about what is essentially the evolutionary period, the late seventies on into the early 1980s. And the simple fact of the matter is we don't have any answer to what the federal reserve policy was up until around 1988. The Federal Reserve has never stated when they switched to interest rate targeting. Now, some people believe it was in the earlier in the 80s in 82 83, because you can kind of tease out from you know, short-term statistics what the open market desk wasn't doing. But by and large, they have never said when they switched from reserve targeting, which is what Paul Volcker came back to in 79 and 80, to a full-on interest rate target and then using the inflation target to guide their interest rate targeting regime. We don't really know when that happened or when it transitioned but we're pretty sure that when Alan Greenspan became Fed chairman that he was the first first one to
0: completely uh, believe in believe in using it. So that was all about what central banks are doing right now but let's talk about the alternatives. One alternative is targeting asset prices and the for example, gold or Bitcoin is what Martin Wolf mentioned earlier. But now he's saying the New Zealand government has, for example, just told its central bank to target house prices. People who think this is, who think this often assert that explosive rises in asset prices feed inequality and create macroeconomic instability. Here's a little bit more. Here's the on asset prices targeting here. There are at least four strong objections to targeting asset prices. First, since asset prices are volatile, targeting them would make monetary policy highly volatile Mm -hmm. and so generate great macroeconomic instability. Second, nobody knows what the right equity or house price or level of private indebtedness should be. Third, central banks must in any case take asset prices and debt growth into account in assessing the state of the economy. Last. If central banks want to influence asset prices or leverage, they should use a wide range of regulatory tools instead. Yeah, do we really want central bankers to say this is the price for housing?
1: I mean, it's completely, utterly subjective. Yes, they can throw a bunch of regressions at you and say we've determined these are the optimal figures, but really they're just throwing darts at a board and saying this is what we believe the asset prices should be. And why on earth would anybody want a central banker stating anything even close to something like that? And I understand what the point is, but the over point, the overall point here, kind of spoiling your ending here, is that look, the reason we're even talking about this is because these targeting regimes haven't worked. They've come up short time and time again. They've led to a, a whole bunch of contradictory types of, of results, you know, stock markets go through the roof while the real economy's in the toilet and can't seem to get out of it. That's why we get no inflation. And really nobody stops and and seems to ask the the question they should ask before any of these others. It's not what should a central bank be targeting, but how do they even target anything? How how do we get from monetary policy to the real economy? What does the transmission mechanism really look like? If the Federal Reserve creates bank reserves, how do bank reserves affect housing prices? Well, nobody has any answer to that whatsoever. So it's not like you can say, well, the Fed, prints money, and that money ends up in houses, therefore we're gonna target the, the target the level of house prices because working backward, that must be attributable to what the Federal Reserve printed money. If that was the case, why don't we just target the money that the Fed prints? Because let's save ourselves the trouble and just say this is the amount that we need. But going back to what we said earlier, is back in the 70s and 80s, the, the central banks realized we can't even define money, let alone target it, So we are not even going to bother. We're going to start targeting other things. In fact, that's the whole point here. The whole reason they went into targeting interest rates and inflation was because they couldn't target money, which is what we're really talking about. You want to target NGDP or real GDP or God forbid, some kind of social justice metric. I mean, even more subjective still, even more subjective and political still. What you're going to end up with is even more of a disaster, even more of an unstable situation than we have now. And the reason we have an unstable situation now is because central banks don't know how to target a damn thing. That's the point. It's not what should they target is how do you get from A to B? How do you get from central bank money to the real economy? How does it work? What is What happens all in, in that vast space in between? And as you and I, Emil, know and spend all our time thinking about, or at least most of our time thinking about, oh. that vast space in between is this Eurodollar system, the monetary system that basically pays as little attention to the central banks as possible. And so if you're thinking about, well, why does the inflation target need to be replaced? It's that because nobody stops and thinks, well, how do we actually target these things? We just pick a number out of the air. We pick an economic aggregate out of the air. We just assume that it works because we don't know anything else. That's exactly right, Jeff. As
0: you said, you've, you've spoiled the ending. Yeah, sorry the, about that. No, that's good. That's,
1: <laughs> I skipped ahead.
0: That's good. That's That'll be the show, Jeff, because that's the point is that uh, we have uh, what we do now. And then here are these four alternatives of what we could do. And let's review those four alternatives. And the whole point is that nowhere in here do we talk about targeting, targeting money, money supply, modern money money supply, their Euro dollar system credit. You know, that's,
1: that's why I say with Japanese quantitative easing, the next QE should be buying clouds or ocean <laughs> water. Because what, would make, what would be the difference? It would make absolutely no difference because the end, at the end of the day, it's the same exact thing. And nobody stops and says, maybe we should do something radically different. And that's the point. It sounds like they're doing radically, oh, we're buying clouds. Well, no, it's still, it's the same thing as buying bonds. It doesn't matter because you're not directly impacting the monetary system as it is. And as we talked about in our other podcasts with the uh, you know 1930s and the banking system, pay attention to what the banking system is telling you because they're telling you why the inflation target is coming up and nothing more than the fact that interest rates are low. They're saying, yes, you wanna target an interest rate, give us some damn money and we'll do it. And by we, we mean the banking system, not the central banking system because the central banking system has essentially made itself almost obsolete, maybe even completely obsolete, because it let monetary scholarship go by the wayside. It let its technical proficiency dwindle for the last half century. And the fact that they're targeting anything other than money absolutely proves what I'm telling you.
0: They don't know how to target money, so they moved on to other things. Let me, let me finish up then. In sum, today's broad approach to central banking is clearly the least bad. That does not mean it is easy to operate. Central banks must always be alert, but nobody should imagine there exists an alternative regime that will solve all the difficulties. Central banks will make mistakes, but they must keep it simple. Jeff, Uh, that's
1: that's a pretty bad closing argument, right? Yeah. This is what we have and you should never imagine something better. I mean, that's, that's not quite the point I think he was trying to make, which is, hey, These are the best we have, and they keep failing time and again, that we were dissatisfied with the results. So maybe we shouldn't think about getting other people who maybe have different ideas, Mm, I don't think that's quite the point we want to make. I think it should be, we should be looking at this objectively and saying, these people keep coming up short. They can't tell us why they have no ideas rather than expanding their mission. Maybe we should look at reforming and reframing
0: the entire system from the ground up. Excellent, Jeff. Uh, great way to end it. Last final thought, you raised it with the clouds. Do you ever look at a cloud and wonder how much it weighs? It's- I do. Okay. You know, apparently, uh, occasionally you think
1: is, there's density in clouds, there's water vapor, all sorts of things. Yeah, that, that's, it's one of the fun things to think about when you, you know, it's, it's, it's another thing that's out there to to ponder when
0: you don't have a ready answer to it. On the one hand you think it weigh you could just for a minute moment, you, moment you'll think, well, it doesn't weigh anything. It's floating in the air. But then yeah, I suppose there's density and something. I bet you those things weigh several million pounds. Yeah, and I think that
1: the reason why it's it's attractive to think about is because in what we do with monetary scholarship, it's the same kind of thing. The difference between sort of objective reality and perception, right? The perception is a cloud must weigh nothing. It must be, you know, completely weightless and it, how can it float up there? When the reality is there's so much substance and detail to it, when you actually get into the substance and detail, you learn quite a bit. And you also learn constraints and limitations and things that are very helpful and other things of, of you know, maybe guarding your perception about other things. Love it, who would have thought that this is where we would end up, but- Chewy Good. cloud. Oh. Coming to a Japanese it's coming to a Japanese program near you in the near
0: future. That sounds like a wonderful commercial. QE Cloud. Okay. All right, Jeff. I appreciate it. Uh take care. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, you too, Emil. Bye.